0: Crazy Diamond is based on the life of a woman living with Bipolar Disorder 1. It reflects her experiences with this mental disorder. The writer of this story has given me full access to share in hopes that it reaches those who need help and to bring awareness to the disorder. The writer wishes to remain anonymous. The content in Crazy Diamond may be triggering and we recommend the assistance of a medical professional for help and diagnosis. If you or anyone you may know is thinking about suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. The guilt. The absolute irrevocable shame that overwhelmed me when I woke up on my sixth day in the mental institution was unbelievably, almost unbearably painful. I'd had dreams all night where my mind played a slideshow of all of what I now felt was the utterly bizarre behavior I had been exhibiting. Sitting up in my bed, I recalled how, not too long before I'd come here, I'd held a lighter to the side of my left arm and just watched the flesh melt away. I'd felt no pain, only a keen interest as to whether or not doing that would make me feel something The burn was deep and i'd been in need of medical attention but i would just keep putting peroxide on it and watching it fizzle up on the wound it was still scabbing over and i'd reached for my sleeve of the pajama shirt my mom had brought me to wear and lifted it up to take a look at the damage it was going to leave an enormous scar a never-ending reminder of what i'd done just like the marks on my legs i remembered even burning myself with cigarettes and I had the white, round tattoos they had left scattered on each arm. I felt like it couldn't have been real, that I couldn't be capable of such self-destruction, but here was the proof of it right in front of me, stamped all over my body. I thought about my promiscuity and how I'd befriended a guy who'd lived behind me, because he usually always had some weed, I'd leave the house drunk and walk over at random times throughout the night, sleeping with him and then smoking a bowl afterwards. If I couldn't count on him for some unforeseen reason, I'd get drunk, leaving the house, and go walking to the bars in town just meeting random guys who were mostly older and letting them buy me more drinks. I'd even gone as far as to leave a bar with a man I'd just met, go to his hotel room, and do a line of coke. I remembered him saying when he was dropping me off, Didn't anyone tell you not to get in a car with a stranger? I had just laughed and gone into the house. I realized all these things I'd been doing had been my way of attempting to feel something real in the questionable reality I found myself to be in. And only did I realize this now because of some medication and a vacation from liquor. I felt the sensation of the air on my body as it circulated through the room. I felt my heavy breathing. And at last, I felt ashamed and genuinely shocked by my actions. And that feeling made me sick to my stomach. But I was feeling. And that was all I'd wanted throughout my entire spiral downward. Just to not be numb. I'd gotten my wish. Claude slept on as I got up from the bed and went out into the hallway to make my way to the lunch area for vitals and breakfast. As I walked down the hall, I looked around me and I saw nothing. I didn't even hear any voices. I just felt normal. I sat with Abner, Farah, and Candace, and I was almost afraid to look at them because after recalling all of the things I'd done so clearly now, I Couldn't even look at my own face. You look distressed, Candace said to me as I sat down. Are you doing okay? I kept looking down, but answered. I just can't believe how ridiculous I was acting before I came here. I feel so embarrassed, so stupid. I told her, pushing away my breakfast tray. I was much too involved in my head right now to eat. I told you about me, didn't I? We're all here because we needed help. Me especially. And I'm seeing that now. You shouldn't have to forgive yourself for being ill. Don't destroy yourself over it, Edith. I'm having trouble coming to terms with my own actions too. But we have to try to move forward for the people who love us and put us here because of them. Vera nodded as Candace spoke, while Abner looked bored and played with his food. I was surprised to be hearing this from her, but it was exactly the kind of thing I needed someone to say to me at this point. She was right, I supposed. Could I really blame myself for an illness that poisoned my mind? But the guilt of not taking my bipolar diagnosis seriously in the beginning began creeping around my head and I suddenly just felt anger towards myself for being so ignorant of what was going on inside my brain. Why hadn't I done research or kept going to a psychiatrist? I thought it had been such a joke, and look where I was now. No wonder all my friends were gone. I didn't blame them. I wouldn't have been able to stand someone like myself either when it came right down to it. I did some really fucked up shit when I was drinking and off medication. I said to no one in particular. Vera looked at me with compassion in her eyes. I just think of mental illness like this, she began. If you have a broken arm, you're going to go to the doctor and get that fixed, right? So if you're ill mentally, it's the same thing, really. Your brain is broken or it isn't working right. So you go to the doctor and get that fixed everyone outside of this place thinks we're all just crazy being in here we're just broken and we need to be repaired and when we're repaired we'll be the ones outside with them and they won't even be able to tell the difference i thought about her words and felt somewhat better i missed the friendships i'd lost during my psychosis but Sooner or later, I would have had to recover, and I would have had to have done it alone anyways. Right now, it was time for me to focus on myself, and what, like Farah had said, was broken in my brain. I promised myself that if I did fully recover from this illness, I would reach out to those who had left me and attempt to explain myself. So in this cruelly illuminated reality, I knew that only I could save myself from me and when it was announced that group was beginning i got up and went into the lounge to participate this time vera and candace joined me and claude was thankfully still asleep so she didn't come with us abner was called in to see the doctor so he couldn't come but he never attended any of the groups anyway except for aa every day this was my first time we sat down at a table, and the woman with the short blonde hair and puckered nose stood at the front of the room so everyone could see her. There were worksheets laid out in front of us with a circle on each of them, and little pieces of the circle were sectioned off with lines. I see some new faces here this morning, so I'll reintroduce myself. I'm Barbara. And today we are going to write down in the parts of each of our circles, the qualities that we like about ourselves the most. This can always be somewhat difficult when you're feeling down, but the idea of this exercise is to boost self-esteem and make all of you think about the good parts of yourselves that you may be overlooking right now. We'll also be reading some Bible verses that I picked out special for this morning's group. There should uh, be a pen next to each one of you, so go ahead and start, and let's bring some confidence into this room. I took the black ink pen that sat next to my paper. I stared at the circle, but I couldn't think of a single thing to write. What did I like about myself? I hadn't thought of it in a long time because I'd been lost in a sea of self-hatred for so long. How was I supposed to come up for air now? I chewed on the tip of my pen and watched as everyone began to write. I finally wrote down the word loyal in one of the sections of the circle. I suppose that was something I'd always liked about myself. I considered myself a good friend before any of this had happened, and I always was there for my friends. I sat again, writing nothing after that. Then I decided to put down kind in the next section. After all, I didn't consider myself to be a mean or inherently bad person, so that would do. I wanted to put down creative because I love to write and to draw, but I hadn't done those things in so long it felt like a lie to me. Plus, I didn't think my writing was any good. Let's have a look at what we all came up with and discuss, said Barbara her words shattering my momentary concentration. Everyone began to talk about their specific, liked qualities, and when it finally came to me, I told everyone the two I'd written down. "'That was all I came up with,' I said, and Barbara smiled and nodded. "'That's okay, Edith,' she told me reassuringly. "'Maybe you will think of some more later today. "'At least it will be on your mind.' Now, let's see what verses I've picked for today's session. We'll read them one by one, and if anyone wishes to discuss a certain verse that resonates with them, please feel free to do so. She pulled out a Bible that had multiple markers in certain places of its pages, and she opened it up and sat it down at the table with everyone as she began to read the first passage. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink what you will put on no one said anything about what she would just read but i felt like it had pertained to me because i'd been so overcome with a sense of hate for my body that i stopped eating before i got here this god was telling me not to worry about it anymore and I realized how exhausting it had been to have my weight on my mind every fucking second of the day. I wanted to let it go. And so, in that moment, I did. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Barbara looked around the table, and her round blue eyes settled on me. Edith, do you have any feelings you want to share about this one? I feel like God didn't help me when I needed him. I felt alone in a darkness I couldn't pull myself out of for so long, and where was he? I said. Everyone was silent, and Ray, who I'd just noticed was seated at the end of the table, looked up. He was right there. With you, he said. He didn't make eye contact with me, but instead spoke directly to the wall. He was there. He is here. He's looking for you in the dark so he can reach in and pull you out. Everyone sat silent as Ray began to mutter to himself incoherently again. And he got up from the table and made his way over to the couch, where he began a conversation with another unseen person. Barbara stared at him and then looked back at me, and I could tell she was momentarily lost for words. When the group ended, I couldn't stop thinking about what Ray had said to me, but my thoughts were interrupted by Claude, who bounced over to me as I sat on one of the couches waiting for AA to start. She plopped down beside me and blurted, Abner got released today. He's gone. He said bye to me because I saw him at the door while he was leaving, but he left without talking to anyone else. Weird, huh? I thought about Abner being gone, and then I remembered him telling me he was wanted by the law. I had never known what to think about him in the first place, and although I appreciated the bracelet he'd given me, I didn't think I would have had much to say to him when it came to a goodbye. I was surprised he hadn't talked to Farah before leaving, though. She was seated on one of the lounge chairs in front of me and at hearing the news, her eyes became glassy and she got up and exited the room without a word. I supposed Abner was just a frequent flyer, making his way in and out of places and meeting people who really probably meant nothing to him. It was like he'd had his fun here and he was just done. For some reason, he'd assuaged Farah's depression about being in here. And why that was, I would most likely never know. I shrugged at Claude and started listening to the television that Louise had turned up. Karen looked over at me and smiled, and Claude got up, I was assuming to continue to spread the news of Abnerd's abrupt departure. "'Want to play some cards?' Karen asked. I nodded, and we got up and went to the group table. She began to shuffle and proceeded to teach me a game she called golf. The games were short, and we'd played three when she finally said, I really don't want to go back home tomorrow. That's when the doctor says I can go, but I don't want to. Isn't that terrible? I know my kids miss me, and I miss them too, but I don't feel ready just yet to face it all. To face what? I asked, setting down my cards as she did the same. She ran her fingers through her tousled brown hair and sighed. So I'm guessing you never saw anything about my family in the news? I was confused by this. Why would I have seen your family in the news? I asked, bewildered. Karen scooted back in her chair and put her hands in her lap. Well, I guess I'll just tell you since everyone else knows, she began, and she heaved a heavy breath. My husband had this friend a guy who became a family friend over the years one day he comes to me and my daughter and asks us if we want to ride up to see this friend and hang out for a while of course we went with him, but when we got there the door to the house was open my husband always carried a gun so he said he would go first inside and to check to make sure everything was all right My daughter and I had waited, and then he came back up shortly after and said he couldn't find our friend. My daughter and I went inside, and for some reason, I still don't know to this day, I decided to check the basement. I found Mark in a pool of his own blood, face down on the concrete floor. I'd never seen anything like it. I started screaming just going off my rocker my husband came down and had the same reaction and when my daughter tried to follow us i immediately ran up the stairs and took her outside where i threw up we called the police and we were there for hours answering questions she stopped talking and looked into the distance like she was picturing the memory right before her eyes After hours of waiting for my husband to answer some routine questions, I started wondering what was taking so long. Finally, one of the cops came up to me and said my husband wanted to talk to me. I was confused as hell and still pretty much in shock, so I said nothing and just followed him into an interrogation room. When I sat down, my husband told me that he and our friend Mark had been having an affair and that he'd gotten into a fight with him earlier that day. He told me he'd shot him in the head, and he'd panicked. He thought bringing his family there and acting just as horrified as we had would somehow cover up his crime. It was all over the news. He went to prison. I moved to a new apartment with my daughter and younger son. But it was like... I couldn't get that fucking image of Mark out of my mind. I just kept seeing it over and over again and thinking about what my husband had told me. Thinking about how he had never been the man I thought he was. I just lost it. I lost my entire fucking mind. So they sent me here with all the loonies And now I'm supposed to go back and just be okay? I don't know if I can. I couldn't believe her story. Since I'd met her, I'd thought of her as the one who seemed to have it the most together. I was amazed at how calm she talked about what had happened, and I was astonished that she could even talk about it, period. Everything doesn't have to be okay when you go back, I told her. You just have to take it a day at a time so you don't find yourself back here with all us loonies. She smirked when I said this, and I smiled back at her. You can do this, I said. Thank you. She spoke with relief in her voice, as if she'd been holding this in all day. I was glad she'd gotten it off her chest, even though I didn't consider myself the best person to be giving life advice right now. What I'd said to her seemed to calm her though, and I was thankful for that. Ridiculousness is back on. I'd better go watch it with Lou. You're welcome to join us on the new bed we made for you. Laughter is good for the soul. She winked, but I declined the offer and exited the lounge. I decided to walk up and down the halls for a while to clear my head of Karen's terrifying story and to think about what Raziel had said in the group earlier. I began pacing up and down the hallway, my hospital socks becoming dirty from the floors. Ray came out of his room when I was walking back for the third time, and he stared at me. Did you mean what you said earlier about God? I asked, wondering if he could even hear me. He kept staring at me, so I turned around to walk back to the other side but suddenly he whispered from behind, You have been saved. You were cured. I turned around and looked at him, but he said nothing else, so I resumed my walking. Was I cured? Still no voices. Still no shadow man. No child or blood. And I didn't want to die anymore or go to some strange other realm that I knew now had never even existed. I had been saved, and the one who had done it was my mother the minute she had checked me into this place I thought was such a fucking joke in the beginning. She saved me, and I saved me, and Dr. Navarra saved me, and Barbara saved me. Candace and Farah were saving me every day, and even Claude was saving me. I wasn't in the dark anymore, and I was beginning to let go. Of my guilt. I am not broken anymore, I said aloud. I am vindicated.